Well, how are we doing today? We're just getting together. The first day of the week. Like we have for centuries and millennia to say one thing together. God is amazing. Isn't that true? That's what we're doing today. We're just here together as we have as a people for centuries saying, God, you are so, so good. Um, well, today we're uh, kicking off a brand new set of teachings uh, from the Bible around the idea of joy. Joy. Uh, I don't know what it is that brings you joy, but uh, from the get-go, uh, we want to, anytime a pastor talks about joy these days, we want to make the differentiation that joy is not happiness. You know that, right? Joy is not happiness. Uh, joy is something deeper, more enduring. You can be happy that your team won a game. I'm preaching already. All this talk about kingdoms and stuff. Some of us in Kansas City were confused. You, you can be happy your team wins a game. That's, that's happiness. You have enduring joy when they win a championship. If you don't believe me, I'm coming from the land of Chicago, where we're still reveling in the joy of 1985, <laughs> when the Bears won the Super Bowl against, you, you know them, the New England Patriots. So come on, come on. Joy. Joy has a deeper grounding than happiness. We, we kind of get this. It's something sustaining. Joy is possible even in hard situations. But here's the big question. How do you get joy? What is it that brings you Joy, I want you to think about that for a moment. When was the last time you felt joy, like real joy? Maybe, maybe it was when you stood a couple of days ago out in Lawrence and you looked across a sea of sunflowers and just for some reason that brought you joy. Maybe you got a promotion or a raise at work. That feeling of being validated and being recognized, it brought you joy. Maybe for anyone who's welcomed a child into their family, whether it's through labor or the labor of adoption, that's a day that is often marked with joy. Sometimes we feel like we've lost our joy. I know people who are in despair often tell me that there's no such thing as joy, and we get that. Jesus said that joy was the central animating emotion of the kingdom. Jesus taught that joy was essential to the life that he gives, the life that he invites us into. And because of that, we here at Heartland have a value. We say that we're serious about joy. I love the, that paradox. We're serious. We are serious about our joy. You ever met someone who's so serious about something that it just kind of, they couldn't take, they took themselves too seriously, right? Uh, we as a church, we've got a, a value here. We don't want to ever take ourselves so seriously, but we want to take the life of Jesus seriously, including his joy. We want to have fun. We want to be people who, who enjoy the fact that God loves joy. Joy is the central, pivotal emotion of the kingdom. And so this series, Heartland, the next eight weeks, we're going to be looking at just the calls for us to return to the simple actions in this life that bring us and God, joy. And here's how central joy is uh, to what Jesus says is his life or his kingdom. He tells us a short story found in Matthew chapter 13. If you've got a Bible, if you've got a nap, if you want to open it up, it's one verse today. I just want to kick us off with one verse. Uh, an entire story from Jesus is summed up in one entire verse. In fact, I'm going to put it on the screen. You don't really need, even need your Bible. That's the, the secret of church. Uh, we put it on the, on the screen for you. Um, but the whole thing fits on one slide. And, and so here, here's what it is, Matthew 13, verse 44. These are words that Jesus once said. They read like this. The kingdom of heaven 
is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then, say these three words with me, in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought the field. You, you kind of see it there. I call it out in bold for you, uh, that in his joy, that's the entire emotion that is present in the story, just joy. Looking closely, we see that joy is the pivot point, the hinge on which this entire story moves. I'm going to break this down for us briefly today because I think it's really instructive for us. Joy uh, first arrives and then it activates this man. That's just a very simple way to cut this, this story up. How does joy arrive? Well, uh, the discovery of a treasure brings joy. That, that's what happens here. Jesus is saying, if you want to know what life in my kingdom is like, what real life is like, what real joy is like, it's like stumbling across a treasure. It's, it's the discovery of something special which has been revealed and found. It elicits joy. I kind of love that Jesus uses the image of a treasure hunt to describe what it's like to find the life that he promises. Because treasure hunts fascinate us, don't they? Um, tre treasure hunts, the idea that just something out there is so valuable that I can find, it's exciting. That's why actually around Heartland, I today have hidden an entire, just kidding, I haven't done anything like that. But you kind of got excited when I started saying that, didn't you? That's, that's because something about finding something valuable just starts to well up joy inside of our hearts. Recently, I heard the story of a man who left a real treasure. It was worth maybe one or two million dollars. People didn't even know because he didn't tell them what was in it. He just told them it was valuable. Uh, There's a guy named Forrest Fenn. He was a rare art collector. He recently died. But um, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer uh, back in his like 60s and it really rocked him. He started to wonder, like, how could I make an impact in this world with all the stuff that I have? He beat the cancer and decided to take the remainder of his days and invest it into getting people uh, active again in the great outdoors. And so what he did is he took some of his rare art collectibles, valued around $2 million, put it in a box. And he, he, he said, um, he, 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 he started to leak out clues as to where he had put this in sort of Southwest America, or sort of Western America. And so um, Forrest Fence started in, in the year uh, 2010, this like national treasure race to find Fenn's treasure. It, it launched online communities of people who tried to read his poetry to figure out where the box of, of whatever, gold coins, rare artifacts was hidden. Um, the authorities got involved because they were worried that people were risking their lives for a treasure. They, they tried to stop him. And Forrest Fenn said, I'm 70 years old. What, where do you think I could hide treasure that would be dangerous? And um, sure enough, in 2020, uh, someone emailed him a picture of his treasure proving that they had found it. We're captivated by finding treasure. It, it will monopolize our time. What's different about Jesus' story than maybe our classic definition of a treasure hunt is that this man stumbles across the treasure. They, he, he wasn't on a hunt. It was almost as if the treasure came to him. And why would someone stumble across treasure back in Jesus' day? Well, uh, very simply, there was no Bank of America. There was no blockchain technology back in the day for you to protect your assets, for you to keep your wealth. You would bury a portion of your wealth on a part of your property so that in the event that you needed it or wanted to retire, you would have it there for safekeeping. The problem is um, people... People would hide their wealth and then die and not have told anybody where they had hid their wealth. 
right? There's always money in the banana stand. That's, that's what the lesson is. We shouldn't think today that we're more sophisticated than what happened in Jesus' day where people are stashing money in weird places. Um, still today, people hide money in the walls of their homes or under mattresses. I had a friend who in uh, 2021, he bought a house and was fixing an air vent only to discover $25,000 was stashed inside the vent. All of a sudden, my friend found joy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he came into church that next Sunday and he was like, he called me, he was the type of guy that called me Pastor Dan. He was like, Pastor Dan, you'll never believe it. I found a lot of money. He couldn't help but tell people, right? The joy suddenly came. He had found a treasure and he had found joy. I think that's the point that Jesus wants to make for us is that joy sneaks up on us. True joy is a surprise. You find it when you weren't necessarily looking for it. And Jesus is saying this, he's saying life my way is like treasure in a field that you might not have been looking for, but you stumble upon it and it will reverse your fortune such that you find true joy. The discovery brings joy, but more than just the discovery, there's something else that brings joy. Um, I'll say it this way, the appraisal brings joy. This man finds a treasure hidden in a field and what he doesn't have to do is call an expert to value the treasure. He immediately recognizes that what he has found is worth more than the entirety of his life combined. And so what does he do? He buries it back up. He hides it. He realizes that this is the thing that I should invest my entire life in because it's worth everything to me. It was immediately recognizable as worthy. And that appraisal has brought him value. That appraisal brought him joy. Joy, it has this ability to bottom line for us what's really important in our lives and to value it appropriately. I know this is true for me because I've, I've got kids. The other day I read in, in an article that said nowadays it costs on average, have you heard this? It, it costs on average $300,000 to raise a child to 18 years old. $300,000. I have three. So, Awesome. It's great, doing fine, not gonna cry. I've never once with my kids done the cost benefit analysis of raising them to 18, right? Because the, the appraisal, the value of the thing, it brings you joy. My kids are worth way more than $300,000. I may not feel like I have it. I may not know where it's gonna come from. I have no clue how we're gonna do that. But it's not stopping me from every single day giving them what they deserve and, 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 and thinking about how, how it is that we're gonna make this happen. That's not even a question. We're gonna make this happen because it's worth it. They bring joy. When um, joy arrives, so that's how it gets here, right? He, he discovers it and he appraises it and all of a sudden inside of him wells up joy. If you look back at the verse, it says, you know, the man hid the treasure and then in his joy, he did something. He did something. It, it, it activated him to do something big and bold and dramatic. I want you to think about it this way. The joy activated him to make some changes. This man hides the treasure back up. He's going to come back for it later. But for now, he's got to figure out how am I going to acquire this? How am I going to legally take possession of this treasure? So in his joy, he does what will bring him joy. He goes, and here's the changes he makes. He sells everything he owns, and he buys the treasure. 
I've read this story, you know, as a, as a Bible person, as a person who's followed Jesus for a while. I've read this story many times, and I just read right past this. He sold everything he owns to buy the treasure. And I thought about this this week because, you know, Jesus' is, this story that he's giving kind of implies that here's a blue-collar worker who's stumbling across in a field, maybe on his way to work, maybe back from a trip, and he stumbles across some, some wealthy oligarch's treasure, their nest egg. He stumbles across someone's 401K that is no longer active. It's just sitting there. He realizes everything I have in my life I need to put into play so that I can get this treasure. Thinking about it from that, you know, my dad was a, he, was a, he owned a car shop for, for decades. He just retired. I'm really happy for him. But um, for, for like 40 years, my dad ran a car shop. And um, I kind of read this through the lens of my dad. I imagine my dad one day coming home all excited, which is weird because he's Norwegian. We don't really like raise above a four in our emotional states. Um, but I imagine my dad coming home all excited. He rushes outside and he starts pounding a for sale sign in the front yard. And um, then he starts selling all of his car tools, which would be weird because that's how he makes money. Not sure if he's going to change careers or not, but he's selling it. And then he starts selling his business. We all assume it's a midlife crisis. We all assume, oh, dad's had it. He's going crazy. We've got to... I don't know, see how this rides out. But then he puts my bike and my instruments up on eBay. He cashes in his 401k. He liquidates everything. Now, if my dad ever tried to do this, my grandparents would have swooped in like that, taken him away and put him somewhere. If my dad had the courage to tell them what he had found and why he was liquidating everything, they certainly would have added it to the symptoms that he had amounted to hysteria and delusions. But I know he would have done it, and I know you would do the same thing if you found a treasure that was valuable enough to move you to make these types of changes. Because this is what's always true about joy. Joy does this. Joy always trades up. Joy always causes you to give up something that's good to get something that's even better. Joy, I've never seen joy cause someone to, to give up or trade down, but joy always trades up, takes something that is valuable and gives it for something that's more valuable. He took a good thing, traded it for a better thing. This man went all in. He severed ties. This is what it cost him. He severed ties with his ancestral land. He probably sold his own field that was in his family for generations. He took all of his money, his tools, his his, his, his willingness to be misconstrued and mocked by the people around him, he took his reputation, he put all of it on the line because he had found something that was better than what he had. In his joy, he sold it all and traded up. This past week, I was um, asking our staff, you know, what's one good thing that you've given up for a better thing? I let people think about it for a while, and the, the, the answers were just really touching. There's a lot of really cool things that people have traded up on. One of our staff said, said to me, um, she said, well, I, I had a really good paying job that I gave up so that I could stay at home and homeschool my son. It's a good thing that was traded for a better thing. Someone else said, um, I had a relationship that I gave up so that I could be healthy. Found a better thing in light of a good thing. Someone else said that they uh, gave up the comfort that they experienced so that they could step into what they thought was their calling. And around and around it went. And then I asked this question. I asked everybody, I said, do you regret that decision? And to a person, they all said, not a chance. Why? Because on the other side of the decision, 
they found joy. See, joy is fuel for our souls to do the hard thing when others think that it would be too risky. Joy will animate, it will activate your life to make some changes that might not seem normal to you. It might not be logical to others who don't know what you found, but if you know the treasure that could be yours, the joy of all of it will push you to give everything you have in exchange for what's better. And this, I think, is the core essence of joy. This is the core essence of joy that we find in the life of Jesus and anyone who wants to follow Jesus. Jesus says that if you'll find his life to be like finding a treasure that you didn't see coming, all of which is worth more than you even have at this moment, it will change your life around for the better. And you'll want to do everything you can to possess this joy because the treasure that brings you joy is greater than anything you have. And this is the crux of the story. The central idea from Jesus is that joy gives everything. Joy gives it all. The man gave his entire life for the treasure. Nothing was off limits. He gave it all. The question Jesus wants us to be asking when he tells this very short story question that Jesus wants us to be asking ourselves is, have I ever found a treasure like this in my own life where I would trade up, I would give everything I had to possess this treasure? And, and, and listen, that's a legitimate question. I'm curious, have you, have, have you, I don't, that's not theoretical, this is not, literally, literally, have you ever found a treasure like that, that, that made you give up everything you had to get it? And if you gave up everything that you had, did that bring you joy? I read interviews with people who, um, this past week, I was, I was deep down the rabbit hole of Forrest Fenn's treasure. Some of the interviews of the people who didn't find the treasure are fascinating to me. Uh, conspiracy theories abound. Some of them were really glad for the hunt. The hunt alone brought some couples closer together. It brought them closer to nature. It brought them closer to an active lifestyle. And they said, because of the treasure, I'm healthier. And that's a good thing. But other people who didn't get the treasure um, were just angry that <laughs> they didn't find it. They, they, even more, they were angry that they didn't get the satisfaction of knowing who found it or where the treasure was. Could you imagine being one of these people who for 10 years has tried to sleuth online with this community of people where this treasure is with the hopes that you'll find it only to find out that it's gone, it's already been claimed. You have no idea if you were close, you have no idea who found it. It would just infuriate me. I'd just be, I'd just be ticked. I'd be preaching angry here every week and you'd be like, what's up with that guy? I didn't find the treasure. Be what's up. It's like the glowing briefcase in Pulp Fiction. We never see what's inside of it. And Tarantino, who directed that movie, famously said, I, I didn't want people to see it because I wanted them to imagine. Jesus wants us to imagine what's in the briefcase. Jesus wants us to wonder what's in the treasure. But I don't want you to wonder because you can know the treasure. The treasure is hidden in plain sight because in the story told by Jesus, listen, listen, listen. Jesus himself is the treasure. <laughs> what I love about Jesus, you know, it's taken me already like 20 minutes to explain to you this two-sentence story. Jesus is the treasure. 
I know this because life in the kingdom of heaven is only accessible through Jesus. He, he is the prize of life. His followers found him to be full of grace and truth. They knew that he was the greatest teacher, a great miracle worker, but more than that, they came to believe. Even Jesus' own half-brother came to believe that truly he was the son of God. They stumbled upon the treasure that God had shown up and Jesus' life with Jesus was worth giving up everything that they had to follow him. When you stumble across Jesus in this life, there's a question, a value question that you're confronted with. Is this treasure worth your entire life? I got to ask you this question. Have you found Jesus to be worth everything that your life depends on? For me, the answer to this question has been easy. Yes. <laughs> Unequivocally, yes. I'll give God my entire earthly life for the sake of the heavenly eternal blessings of being with Jesus in glory. That's an easy trade up for me to make. For me to say, God, I'll give you my ambitions, my ancestral legacy, my, my means of provision, my nest egg, my family's future. I will bank all of it upon the fact that the treasure I found in Jesus is the greatest treasure that I've ever known in this entire world. I'm all in with Jesus, my only hope, my only salvation, my only joy, because he's a treasure. And I wonder if he's your treasure too. See, the discovery of Jesus brings us joy, real joy. We can't get anywhere else in this life, and I've only found it in Jesus. He's the only one who's the real treasure. But hidden inside this story is a second treasure. There's actually two treasures in this earth. Put it up again. See if you can find it. The kingdom of heaven, this is what Jesus says. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought the field. The first treasure that we see here is actually uh, pretty obvious. It's life in the kingdom, right? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field. The kingdom, this is what we enter into when we trust in Jesus. Like living the Jesus life is like finding treasure. We very naturally equate the kingdom with things that are like treasure. Gold and silver. The streets in glory are said to be paved with gold, right? Where is the second treasure? The second treasure, I think it comes into focus when we realize that Jesus wasn't just telling us the story about joy of his kingdom. He was describing to us his own joy of self-giving. Because not only is Jesus the treasure, I mean, you got to see this. Jesus is also the man who sold everything and bought the field. And this is where the story really surprises me. If I were to back up just about five, six verses earlier in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says that the, the, that the field represents the world. He told another story about seeds and fields. He explained that the field represents the world. And here Jesus now tells his followers that in his joy, a man went and gave up everything that he had to purchase the field for himself. In, in this story, we imagine the sacrifice of economic goods, right, of money and gold and land, the stuff to get a better life. But Jesus, on his way to buy back the world from its decay and its chaos, he made the ultimate trade up, the ultimate sacrifice is really the world. He gave up himself as collateral. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus see the, the, the field and the treasure and the world to be worth everything that he had, even to the point where he'd give up his very breath to get it? It's because in this story, Jesus knows what he is teaching, that sacrifice Self-giving love 
is the only real way to find joy. Say it this way. Joy requires self-giving. And self-giving brings more joy. Do you remember how the early church talked about Jesus and the sacrifice that he made in Hebrews chapter 12? It says this. It says, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. He scorned its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus came to purchase the world. Why? Because as he said, there was treasure in the field. He looked upon the field of this world and he said, I know what is hidden down deep inside of there. It is worth my very life to get that treasure. Don't you see it? Jesus came and sacrificed his life out of joy because he saw treasure in the field, not the cattle on the thousand hills, not oil in the ground. The treasure, friends, is us. It's you. It's you. you. Jesus has appraised your life, appraised the value of your life, and found out that it was worth everything he had to bring him joy to get you. <laughs> You're so valuable to Jesus. Jesus didn't stumble upon you, he created you. But in his joy, in bringing you into the kingdom, it's so great that it carried him through the hardest moment of history, which was his death on the cross. I wonder if today you feel the value that you have. Jesus never looked upon you and said, you're not worth my life. No, no, no. He let his joy activate him that he would give his own life for you. He, he was raised from the dead for you. He has shown the world his goodness and glory and joy everlasting. And he offers his life to anyone who would simply come and believe that he loves you. So listen, Heartland, take the treasure. Find true joy. The treasure is yours in Jesus. Joy everlasting is yours in Jesus. Whatever it costs you, it costs him more. Maybe you're thinking, my family would be so confused, but listen, it's worth it. Maybe you're thinking, uh, my, Friday, my Friday nights might need to change, and I'm telling you, it's worth it. Some of you might be thinking, I don't, I, don't, I don't like the idea of having to come to church on a Sunday when there's a Chiefs game, Dan. And I'm telling you, worth it. Giving up for Jesus' sake is never a letdown. Jesus is greater He's worth all of your life and attention. His forgiveness for your sins is beyond all measure. His hope for tomorrow is greater than the fear of today. In the cost-benefit analysis of coming to Jesus, joy appraises him as worth everything that I have. So, brothers, sisters, take the treasure because he's given everything for you. How about you? Isn't that good news? Does that bring you joy? It brings me joy.
that I'm treasured by God and I can treasure him. Well, we take all of Jesus seriously, including his joy. And one of the object lessons that Jesus gave his followers to remind us of his self-giving love and how much we matter to him is the breaking of bread and the drinking of the cup. Together, the church has called this act communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, whatever church tradition you were raised in or, or if you don't even know church, we just call it communion. This is what Jesus taught his disciples to do, to remember him as they repeated the words throughout centuries to come that this is my body broken for you. This represents a new way of life in my blood. And when we're, whenever we take the bread or the cup, sometimes in churches, there's a, a, a woe is me type of attitude of like, man, I suck. Can't believe God would have to give up his life for me. That's how much I suck. And um, I hope today you can come to the table with a sense of joy, with a sense of knowing how much God loves you, <laughs> that he would have his body broken for you, that he would be willing to give up his blood for you so that you would never have to have your body broken or your blood spilled on account of your sins. He did this for the joy set before him. Self-giving love of Jesus brings us joy. So if you know that you're treasured by God and he is your treasure, use this moment right now to respond to him, to tell him, thank you. We want you to come to one of the stations. We got two in the back, three up here in the front. Remember that Jesus gave up his life for us to have heaven on earth and life everlasting. And when you've done that, I want your heart to respond in singing to our God with great joy. And then I'll be up here in just a moment to conclude us.